You're listening to CX Passport, the show about creating great customer experiences with a dash of travel talk. Each episode, we'll talk with our guest about great CX, travel, and just like the best journeys, explore new directions we never anticipated. I'm your host, Rick Denton. I believe the best meals are served outside and require a passport. Let's get going. Sometimes when you make a networking connection with someone, it just clicks. It can be entertaining or a shared perspective or thoughtful insights, but something just clicks. That's what happened when I met our next guest, Brom DeVos, chairman of the board of Hello Customer. From the get-go, Brom showed a depth of understanding both the conventional wisdom of CX, but also brought me some very intriguing contrarian thinking as well. Over the time we've known each other, I've also really enjoyed talking travel and the global perspective with Brom. Coming to us from Ghent, Belgium, I am excited to have this chat with Brom. Brom, welcome to CX Passport. Hey, Rick. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it for sure. Well, let, let's start right away with travel, since you and I have talked about that so often before. Tell me about some of your travel experiences, especially how you know diversity shapes your approach and what you've uh, experienced throughout the globe. Well, yeah, traveling is, is a wonderful thing to do. And I think uh, there's no, no time as the present to, uh, to think of that because we cannot travel very much with the whole COVID-19 pandemic. So we've, right. we've been almost a year without it. And, and you, you feel what you're missing. You, you miss that, that um, yeah, that discovery of diversity, those things that you, that you find in other places, other people you meet, other climates you experience, other, other ways of putting things. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a very inspiring thing. And um, well, I've done quite some traveling uh, in, the past, uh, in the past years. And um, you know, the longer I do that, the more I do that, or the older I get, maybe I should put it that way, at first, I was very much focused on what was different. And everything that was different was, was, you know, brought some joy to my heart. But the older I get, the more I find that wherever I go, people tend to want the same things, tend to love the same things or desire the same things from their lives. And that now brings joy to my heart. That, you know, in, in this globe that we're on, for the period of time that we're on it, we are all in a way the same. And, and that's something that yeah, I find very joyful. Yeah, I've I found that same thing true. I'm I'm reminded of a trip. If you can allow me to go back in the way back time machine of 1990, when this little high school uh, kid from the U.S. traveled to what was still then the Soviet Union, and we'd been told growing up all along how bad the Soviets were and how the people hated us and all that. And it was amazing when you actually talked to the humans and didn't talk government to government, didn't do any of that aspect, but just talked to the humans. You realized hey, we're all just humans. And it reminds me of uh, something you and I were talking about earlier. You mentioned a song that I wasn't very familiar with, but it was Paul Simon's Myth of Fingerprints. And I, 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 I think you said it was off the Graceland album, but correct me if I'm wrong. But tell me a little bit more about your thoughts yeah. about that song. Talk about time traveling. I mean, it goes back to 1985 or something, I, I think. And I remember I remember buying the actual vinyl album. Oh, yeah, then, okay. You know, ooh, that used to exist. That's real archaeology now. But great album. As a matter of fact, an album that, that contains a whole lot of traveling in itself, because it's, it's based on experiences of Paul Simon, that, that you know, music that he heard all over the world. Um, really great, great album. And at the end of the first side, I think, of that album was a song, indeed, it's called The Myth of Fingerprints. And it's a funny song. It's a funny song, but it's always in my head. And, and it's something that I think about a lot. I think, if I remember correctly, I'm not really sure, but I think it's about a guy 
a talk show host that says, you know, guys, I've been around the world. I've been everywhere. And those fingerprints that they say that are so different, they're all the same. So there is a myth of fingerprints. And that's what the song is about. And in a way, it's it's a, an inspirational song for me because there's this um, mixture of things that are different and things that are the same. That's what makes us human, I think. You know, the diversity and the way that we are all the same. And that you find that in that song as well. And for me personally, um, I, I'm in customer experience, obviously. And I think there is a myth in customer experience as well. And, and that myth is all about customer feedback. Okay. And I know that we've, we've been talking about this before. Um, we both love customer feedback. Right. And we want to tell everybody, you know, please listen to your customers. That's a good thing. I'm not taking anything back from that. But at the same time, there is a pitfall. Maybe it's not a myth. Maybe it's a pitfall. The pitfall is if you listen to your customers, if you take the customer feedback and you take that as the sole inspiration of what you're going to do, you're probably not going to do the right thing. So it's it's not just about listening to your customers and then doing what they say. You know, you know the story of Henry Ford, right? right if I would have right. my customers what to do, the faster horse and all that stuff. True. But at the same time, sometimes there's very valid information in what customers in their feedback are not saying. That can be interesting as well. So my point is don't just take customer feedback at face value yeah. and do whatever it says. So that's... Uh, I mentioned it in the intro. You always bring me a contrarian thought, and you want to talk about a contrarian <laughs> thought, especially someone uh, with associated with Hello Customer talking about customer feedback and how you might choose what to listen to and choose what not to listen to. So given how contrarian that is in the peer play CX world, how do you guide people? How do you discern for yourself the customer feedback that you should use and the mm -hmm. feedback that you shouldn't? There is just a, a delicious ambiguity to that statement. I'm curious how you handle that. No, that's absolutely true. There is a there is a delicious ambiguity. I like I like the phrasing, the, the delicious <laughs> ambiguity. Uh, story of my life, I think. Um, how do you guide people? How do you help people? You know, what we try to do is when we look at feedback, and and you know, I think it's it's a way. It's not um, necessarily a very original thought, but if you look at customer feedback, customer feedback contains three forms of information, and. The first one is very obvious, namely it is what it says. So that's very clear. And the second bit of information is things that you were not expecting, but that's in there as well. So the first thing is you expect it, you see it, it's confirmed. The second thing is you didn't expect it comes out, it's inspiring. But then there's a third form of information. And that's the thing that people are not talking about. And that's just as important. So how do you guide people who are working with, with customer feedback well, what we like to do is we like to to um, to enable the customer experience people to take the strategy of their company next to the customer feedback and just put the two together and see where are the gaps. Are there things that we are doing in our company, strategic choices that we've made, initiatives that we've that we've taken that customers are not talking about? That's an interesting approach, and it's a very valid approach. And the other way around, people who are working on strategy, we'd, we'd love to inspire them to say, hey, take this voice of the customer stuff seriously, because it may help you to decide which choices to make or not to make. So in a way, I think it's it's all about um, trying to bring those, those two uh, focal points, customer experience, strategy, closer together. And in an ideal situation, you'd have somebody in strategy who is CX, or you'd have to somebody in CX who is very strategic. You need that. 
that's where we want to go at the end of the at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, that's what we like to do. Yeah, and I, I like that idea of the three approaches to VOC. And I want to crystallize, make sure I heard you right. So there's the thing you were expecting to hear. Mm-hmm. And then there's the things that you were not expecting to hear. But you mentioned that third one, and that's the not hearing something that you were expecting. Yes. What's that do to a company? Oh, it does so much. When you look at it from that way, if you look at customer feedback from that viewpoint, you discover so much. You discover so much of what a company is actually doing because it assumed that it was going to be necessary. And therefore, they thought, when we do this, we're doing the right thing and people are going to love this. And then you find it find, turns out that people are not talking about that at all. That says something. It may say either it's fine that you did it, you're doing it well enough, don't improve anymore because it's good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Or it may also mean, well, you shouldn't have bought it in the first place. Now, this becomes, becomes very interesting when you're thinking about future initiatives. Which are the ones that you're going to prioritize? Which are the ones that you're going to do? Um, and the very fact that you start discussing this among each other, that it's not just strategy based on some kind of distant vision or, or some kind of anecdotes, right? Very often, right? Um, if you look at VOC in a, in a um, structural way, then you will not just base yourself on the words of one or two customers or an anecdote that happens to happen there or there. You, you look at it in a more organized way, and therefore you will be able to derive from what, you, what you're reading, what you're seeing, you'll be able to derive more truth. And that's what we want. And maybe the, the, the technique is to not just look at, at what is written, but what is between the lines, what is not there. And how does that, how does that compare with the strategy that we have? It's not an easy thing to do, I grant you, but the risk of not doing it is, is, is far higher. Yeah, I think that's an exercise. That's the part that really opened my eyes when you're bringing that is that's an exercise that a lot of companies don't go through. I know that that's not something I've been a part of all that often. And it takes me back to some of the conversations that I've had with other guests on CX Passport where they've talked about, say, that there might be a disconnect between marketing and customer experience. Mm-hmm. I like how you bring strategy to this. It's almost – I'm getting this vision of imagine a company saying we are – X, Y, and Z. Our values are one, two, and three. We believe and we deliver these elements to the customer. And then if that is met with complete silence from the customer when it comes to bringing feedback, and we're not just talking about surveys here, we're talking about any voice of the customer, anything that exists out there that the customer talks about. And I've got to imagine that's a mixture of both demoralizing, but then also maybe galvanizing to the point that the company has to say, hang on a second, Maybe we aren't what we thought we were. Have you walked companies through that exercise? Absolutely. It's it's precisely that. It's precisely that, Rick. It's, it's, um, you know, it's such a, well, we talked about human beings and what what brings us all together. One of the things that brings us all together, which, you know, the creatures that we are, is we are always assuming lots of stuff. That's how we operate. Very true. That's true, right? And the thing that you said, when, when you said, hang on a second, that hang on a second moment, that's what I'm in it for. That hang on a second, hey, what have we been assuming here for, for so long? And I have um, personally experienced uh, many situations where, the, where companies are starting to, um, to look at their own unique selling propositions and saying, hey, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. If, this is, is, if this is resonating 
in such a small way with what we're hearing, is this then our USP or are these our USPs? Are these our unique selling propositions? And if not, what are they? And that hang on a second moment is so very much needed because our, our world is moving at such a, a, a fast pace that you know before you know it, there's going to be somebody else who's going to have done that thing of hang on a second right. and who's come up with a new proposition. So you have to do it. It's also a lot of fun to do it. It can be demoralizing. It can be frightening. It can be frightening for people as well. People who've been in a position and you know, who've assumed that this is the way we right. do things. And then the world changes. I mean, talk about the world changing. I mean, the last year with COVID, <laughs> sure. the world has changed <laughs> right. completely. That's how fast it, that it can go. Well, you have to go through that exercise. And my personal view is you can have a lot of fun doing it. Um, I have seen companies reinvent themselves as well uh, by, by seeing certain obvious truths that had become hidden underneath layers and layers and layers of assumptions. And when that happens, when that, that moment of hang on a second happens, that's great. little change of pace here. Join me in the first class lounge. We'll move quickly here and hopefully have a little fun. Dream travel location from your past. Ooh. Oh, I think 20 years ago, Tuscany, mm. Italy. My God, what, what a country. I, I went there a couple of times in a short, short space of time. I had a, yeah, I knew somebody who was living there, which made it all, all the more easy. But wow, great food. Friendly people didn't understand the word of English in those days, I have to say, and my Italian was non-existent. But what a beautiful landscape, wonderful people, great food, those long summer evenings right. sitting outside. Oh, yeah. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> so with Tuscany in the past, what is a dream travel location you've not been to yet? Uh, yeah. Well, that would be, it's, it's, it's been a dream for a while. Um, South Africa, South Africa. Oh, yeah. I would love to travel there. I've seen... I've seen, you know, movies and, and I've seen, I've talked to a lot of people who've been there. A lot of people actually say, you know, uh, well-traveled people that say the most beautiful country I've ever seen is South Africa. And so, yeah, I really want to go there. Again, uh, that light in, in that light in the air, that luminosity, that, that atmosphere, I want to discover that the beauty of the landscapes, the I want to meet the people. Um, it's probably it's probably not all that I dream it is, perhaps, um, but I would love to go there. The music as well. And I've been told the food. Ooh. Mm. Sounds sounds like it's really good. And I love to eat. Well, we're gonna we're gonna keep with that theme. Then what is your favorite thing to eat? <laughs> okay. Well, well, yes, lobster. So, and I'm told that the, that there's a place in South Africa where the lobsters are reasonably cheap. So that that would be that would be breakfast, lunch, and dinner with lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> with lobster, I just love it. Yeah. What is a thing your parents forced you to eat, but you hated as a kid? Brussels sprouts. I'm grinning from ear to ear. One of these days, I'll actually put this out in video. Uh, Brussels sprouts has come up uh, already before in an episode you have a very sympathetic friend in the uh, aversion of brussels sprouts in spite of this renaissance of brussels sprouts right now i still hate them and uh oh god yeah Th those are really not my best uh lunchtime moments i have to say but i had to eat them and then right. go back to school and uh oh 
I, I can I can I can still smell them. I think <laughs> there's a bit of an irony talking to somebody from Belgium who hates Brussels sprouts, <laughs> but I uh, I definitely sympathize. So, what is one travel item you will not leave home without? Sunscreen. Hi, that 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 brings me back to a song. By the way, Do you, wear sunscreen. Wear sunscreen. Do you know that song? I don't know that song. You have to look it up. It's it's a speech. Put on some. Oh, uh, oh, yes. Uh, the, it's a song that was based off of a speech. Yes, yes. Yeah. If I could give you one piece of advice for the future, this would be it. Wear, Wear sunscreen. sunscreen. Brom, the other day I was starting to tell a travel story and I found myself pivoting quickly to a quirky or negative moment and caught myself. My trip was great. I loved it. Why on earth was I bringing the negative? into the story hmm well um because you are a human being <laughs> well thank and, you uh, yeah i well i noticed that even even uh, on a podcast you are a human being you are not artificial intelligence speaking to me no seriously i i've, I've studied psychology uh, for um yeah a little bit over a decade now and and i've noticed that this apparently is ingrained in us in is when we experience something, we will focus very rapidly on the negative stuff. And, well, that's just evolution. That's evolution. You know, if, if we, what a human being, what a human mind does is we take the negative because it might be threatening. So we want to take a closer look at that to eliminate the danger. That's basically what's happening. Now, of course, it's not a nice thing when you are a company and you're delivering an experience and your customers are focusing on, on all the little negative things in there. That's not a good thing, but that is the human mind. That's something that we have to reckon with. So I think that that's the reason why that is happening. At the same time, there is another uh, psychological mechanism at play that, that might either help you to not focus on that negative thing that Thank you've you. experienced, but also might help companies to, to um, because of course you could try to eliminate all the negativity from an experience, but that's very hard to do. Nice. It's a great, great goal to have as a company, try to make it at, as effortless and seamless as possible, but it's not easy. The other thing you might try to do is psychological research has shown that in, in an experience that goes on for some time, let's, let's say travel, right? In such an experience, there's, good moments, great moments, and maybe moments that aren't that great. If the moments that aren't that great aren't abominable, aren't terrible, right, then we can take them into our stride, provided that the last bit of the experience is positive. And I know maybe you've heard that story of, I think it was KLM, the airline company, who, um, who, who took this bit of psychological truth and said, you know what, we're going to focus on that moment when people come off the plane and have to collect their luggage. And if we can make that experience great, it's a difficult thing to do, obviously, but if we can make that great, all of the other little negative things that went before are going to disappear. So that's something that you can use in your own life or that companies can use in their own, in their own uh, environment to say, okay, how can we make the end of the experience reasonably good or even very good? And by that way, uh, make the rest of the negativity go away. Yeah, I was listening to um, a podcast this weekend. Scott G's, I think it was. And he was talking about NPS and talking about how influential the last X period of time is. Last five minutes, last, if it's a long relationship, last day, last week, last month of the relationship, whatever that looks like, how that influences it. Well, with all your travels, 
do you find yourself doing the same thing focusing on that <laughs> negative is that a is that a part oh. of who you are as well it's a part of everybody so it's a part of me as well and you know what sometimes you need time to pass to be able to see that the negative things that were there maybe in the end at the end of the day weren't that bad at all i, I remember i remember traveling to to mexico uh, how long ago was that five years ago or something like that with my family and you know we, we traveled from brussels we had to go from brussels to frankfurt and frankfurt to mexico city and and i remember that um in frankfurt we had to wait a little while because it was a problem with the airplane mm -hmm. and well thank god they changed the airplane which is nice i do appreciate that <laughs> yes I do appreciate that <laughs> we all but, want to get there safely no matter what the, uh, the rest of the experience safely. is safety is number oh, one yeah. <laughs> absolutely right so fortunately that didn't happen in frankfurt they changed the airplanes but when we arrived in mexico um well the bag our luggage wasn't on it oh. so probably something had gone wrong with the, the, the yeah. switching of the airplanes and stuff like that anyway next day i'm traveling with my family to toluca which is near mexico city and when we arrive there without without luggage we have to go shopping for some right. clothes right, right. Some, some swimming trunks and t-shirts and stuff like that and that was a bad experience because we didn't want to do that we had everything in our baggage and we you know okay so very bad experience now, looking back on it now so many years later it was a wonderful experience because there we were in the hot mexican sun in really quaint marketplace with these flashy colored t-shirts and, and and pants and whatever and today still i have some of those t-shirts today still i wear oh, some nice. of those and nice. i'm reminded of that great trip yeah. and there's this one t-shirt where where it's um it's a little logo on the front but on the back and i only found out when i took it out of the the, the plastic wrapper it, it said in huge capital letters coach so when oh, i nice. wear this my kids call me coach <laughs> nice so it's one of those you know it's a negative experience sure but yeah. with time you sometimes get to get another look at things yeah. and things that were negative maybe aren't that negative uh, I, in the end. I really like that and that's true I, it, you never would have had the opportunity to see the local market you wouldn't have had the opportunity to have uh, the, these memories that like exactly an authentic souvenir, if you will, you didn't go to some shop of, of trinkets. It's actually a true memory that you're taking home and your kids get to celebrate the coach in you. And it, that actually reminds me now you pivoted that in your own perspective, but I know that's very important from just an overall customer experience perspective, pivoting the negative into the positive, bad things happen. It happens all the time, but it's really about how a company handles those bad things in order to restore the relationship with the customer. How do you help companies address that relationship restoration? Mm -hmm. Well, it starts with really and truly understanding what has gone wrong. That's the first thing. Again, you know, go away from the assumption. Um, go away also from the, the, the generalization, but go to the individual experience and see if you can understand that or if you can have a system that understands that. So the first thing, we like to do is help companies truly understand what has gone wrong if something has has gone wrong offering them then the opportunities to to loop back to the customer and to go into some kind of conversation even if it's a conversation that's automated you know people appreciate the fact people people know that something will go wrong sometime you now people aren't aren't stupid but they hate to be ignored so when you reach out to them and you find out something has gone wrong 
have the decency to thank them for what they've told you. And if you can make it better, but very often that's not even necessary. Just mm-hmm. apologizing is, is enough. What, what I think is, um, I had this customer the other day um, who, who said, sometimes we would want something to go wrong because we have seen that when something goes wrong and we then interact with the customer and we do that well, they appreciate us so much more right. that I'm tempted to make some things go wrong. I said, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> not a not a good strategy, but we do see that, right? Time. Restoring the relationship right. often results in a higher perception of experience. But understanding what is what is really going wrong, and we, you know, we at Hello Custom, we use artificial intelligence to help identify that and, and to help um, yeah, see clearly in that. Um, that doesn't take away the fact that, you know, you cannot avoid some things going wrong sometimes. That's just a given. But trust people to understand that as well. Have some trust in human in, in, in the humankind. They will they will appreciate what you're trying to do, even if it's an automated message. Um, I'm not advocating for any automation there. As a matter of fact, I do believe in, in the true human interaction, but sometimes that's just not viable. It's just not possible. But truly understanding um, what has gone wrong then if you can um, um, if, you, if you can work away if you can if you can uh, get the the structural problems that you have as a company if you can work on those so that you will have less problems in, in the future that's even better that's the next step and so step by step you go on and you keep on improving but it's never going to end you know it's never going to be it's never going to be a finished story um, if nothing else the world changes and the expectations of the people you deal with change as well so you're never going to finish that journey. All the more reason to spend as much time as possible truly capturing that total voice of the customer, being able to understand who they are and do more than just listen, but actually act upon it. And and I love that. Brahm, it has been wonderful talking with you. Again, I, I, I love that Shoot, we start off with travel. <laughs> We're then going into very contrarian views, which of the idea of, hey, there's some customer feedback not to listen to, but I do love and appreciate the beauty of the myth of fingerprints perspective that fundamentally we are all the same. And then, yeah, I, I do, I really did enjoy hearing about the t-shirt and <laughs> and how we can take those negative experiences and pivot them into positive. And certainly that is true right at the customer la- layer w- between customer and company and how can a company restore the relationship when things go off the rail. It's been a wonderful conversation, Brom. I, I have truly enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest on CX Passport. I am very glad you were here and I look forward to having you on again in the future. Well, I look forward to that. It's been, it's been as ever, a great conversation with you. I do love interacting with you. And um, yeah, I, I hope that um, we can speak again in the future. And hopefully we can travel to actually meet in the future as well. Who knows? That would be a, that would be a great thing. Thanks for joining us this week on CX Passport. Make sure to visit our website, cxpassport.com, where you can hit subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, you can check out the rest of the ex for cx website. If you're looking to get real about customer experience, ex for cx is available to help you increase revenue by starting to listen to your customers and create great experiences for every customer, every time. Thanks for listening to CX Passport and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Until next time, I'm Rick Denton, and I believe the best meals are served outside and require a passport. Passport.